All right, guys, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Bearded Advocate. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and today I am joined by Leanne. Thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, thank you for coming on. So go ahead and give us a rundown of who you are and what brings you on today. All right. So my name is Leanne. I'm 26 years old. I currently live in West Virginia. I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and a former TV journalist turned graphic design and social media advocate sort of spinning into my, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I work for women's rights and um, I enjoy that. So I, I get to do a little bit of the cross and I have ulcerative colitis. So that is why I'm here today. So how long have you had it for? That's always a fun question. Right. So, you know, typically, Typically, people with ulcerative colitis get diagnosed in their either teen years or kind of shoots up to like 30s-ish. I was kind of smack in the middle. Um, I started having some issues with IBS in high school, um, and that's when I had my first colonoscopy, but they were like, nope, you're good to go. Um, and it, it, you know, it can be genetic as well, and so we thought for sure I would have it because there's a history in my family. My mom has ulcerative colitis, her twin sister, my aunt has ulcerative colitis and my grandpa had colon cancer. So we were expecting the worst. So, I mean- Bunch of everything. Right. Um, so we were, at first we were like, okay, this is good news. Um, so then my symptoms kind of died down. Um, I went four years in college, enjoyed the college life. And then it wasn't until my first year of the professional working world that I started experiencing some serious symptoms. So four years ago? Yes. It's okay. been three years now since my diagnosis. Okay. Okay. So still, I mean, I guess newer in your diagnosis, not so much based off of family history. So you do have at least some background with it. So that's always fun. I always right. ask because <clears throat> especially once you get towards the advocacy side, I'm always curious kind of where people are because you tend, I, I talk to a lot of people that are at the 10 plus year mark for whatever they have, mm -hmm. just because if you don't have any background on whatever you're getting, there's usually a lot less of advocacy right away and a lot more, okay, let me get used to all the changes. Absolutely. And I think I struggled with that at first because I, when I was young, my mom was diagnosed, I want to say probably when I was in middle school or so, and I just didn't understand. I didn't get it. I, I did, you know, it's not a visible disease. So she would tell me she was sick. I didn't get it. And I, to be honest, I was like, is she being dramatic? Does she just have, you know, like, I don't understand what, what's wrong. And now that I'm living it every single day, I'm like, holy cow, I'm, yep. I apologize. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but yep. she can now relate to me. So we do have that in common, which I don't know is a good thing. <laughs> I mean, it's a good resource. So yes. it's, it's a really good thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. And it's interesting. <clears throat> so, I mean, I have it hereditary. My dad has it. Um, I think my grandfather had issues. Um, so it runs a little bit in the family on the opposite side. So all the men, which is interesting because I got diagnosed at 17. So 11 years ago now. Um, and at the time it was mostly mainly men that were getting diagnosed. Um, and it was, I think it was like a 30, 70 split. And it was at the time, like teenage, late forties, fifties. Now, from what I'm seeing, it, it's it's leveled out. So it's pretty much 50-50 men and women that are getting diagnosed with it nowadays. Um, and age range is just, yeah, good luck. Everybody can have it. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to see. And I think part of it is 
better diagnosis rates. So people actually getting more properly diagnosed for the conditions. There's more education about it. I mean, I'm sure people see Humira and some of the other medications for if you have moderate, you know, mild or moderate Crohn's or colitis. So, you know, there's always the commercials for it everywhere because it's so common now. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see kind of how it's changed. And it's, I mean, I, I think it's cool to see it kind of balance out. Not that it's fun for anybody to have it in general, but statistically, I keep track of a lot of the numbers and I've kind of watched it. Um, I know it was around 0.9% of the U.S. population around 1999, and we're up to 1.4%. So it comes around to it's like four and a half million adults in the U.S. that have it. Um, and that'll yeah. get slumped under IBD. So Crohn's and colitis gets statistically put together. Yeah. So it's a, it's a fun one. Yeah. I think what I struggled with the most was being out of college. I started my career as a television reporter and I was super excited to be working and out in the field. Um, and I started ignoring some of those ongoing symptoms that I had because I was so sick, but I didn't have days off work. Mm -hmm. I couldn't catch a break. You know, I was running out to breaking news scenes, middle of nowhere to a murder scene or to do all these different things and make sure I make the live shot and do this and that. And I was ignoring my health and it got to a boiling point. Um, I don't know like the specifics on how graphic we can So <laughs> everything goes in as explicit. So all of the episodes I upload as explicit, regardless okay. of what we talk about, especially when you have Crohn's and colitis. Um, right. You can't. You know, it's hard to about poop. It's, it's yeah. digestive, digestive stuff. I mean, <clears throat> to, I guess to touch on it, like the way that I describe my disease, because I have a dark sense of humor because, you know why have a normal sense of humor? Like you gotta have some fun with it. I'll tell people like I have a broken butt and I do weird butt stuff with my doctor. If you want to know more, like be very careful what you ask because you will get an answer. It will be accurate. You might not be ready for it, but I will give you that answer. Right. So 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 I'm a young reporter. I'm a young reporter out in the field needing to go to the bathroom. And I'm at the point again, where I'm going to the restroom probably 20, 30 times a day bleeding excessively, not being able to control my bowels. And I'm like, again, just ignoring it, ignoring it. You know, my mom's like, you need to call your doctor. We need to figure out what's going on. And I was like, no, I don't have the PTO. I don't have the time to take off for that. And I just remember the day specifically when I had, I didn't have the choice. And I I've seen something like that. If you don't pick the time for your, to take care of your body, your body will pick for you. And so that's kind of what happened. I went to my morning meeting at work and they had given me an assignment and the stress of work was just like exacerbating my symptoms. And they're like, all right, Leanne, um, this boy in this County far away died overnight of carbon monoxide poisoning. You're going to go and you're going to knock on his door and ask his parents how they're feeling as a journalist right there. That's nothing you want to do. You don't want to, you know, their child just died. The last thing I want to go do is knock on their door and ask them how they're feeling. Doesn't feel ethical, stresses me out. Mm -hmm. Don't want to do it. But I'm, you know, (laughs) shedding tears, packing up my news car, getting ready to leave. And I'm like, I'm running to the bathroom. Okay. Go to the bathroom. And I go to like pull my pants, wash my hands. And I have realized that when I was loading my stuff up in my news car, I had gone all over myself and had no idea. And like, at this point, there was no more like poop. It was just all blood. 
And yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay, this, this is alarming. Blood and stomach acid at that point. Yeah. Right. So I like immediately left and I was feeling really dehydrated, lightheaded. So one of my coworkers drove me to the emergency room. Yep. You usually run a fever as well because of the dehydration. Yep. Right. Things were going south from here mm. and I get there and this is again before my diagnosis and, you know, in the emergency room, they're not really equipped to handle these sort of situations. And he was like, well, you're fine. Just take some Tums and go home. And I'm like, that is not, something's not right here. Like I know my body. I don't think this is normal. And so I ended up going home, taking a, it's few a days really off. bad hospital. <laughs> yes. And Jeez, for like okay. an $8,000 bill too, for them to give me some Tums and tell me I'm going to be okay. So I ended up going back to Cincinnati to see a specialist. I had an emergency colonoscopy and they're like, you have ulcerative colitis and you're, you're not well. Um, and so I think that's kind of when I realized, okay, the stress at work is making things worse. Mm-hmm. Two, I can't be out in the field reporting in the middle of nowhere when I don't have access to a bathroom. So gotta, I have to- Gotta get the little trailer hitch. Right, like <laughs> something- hitch attachment. <laughs> I don't want to be in these situations where it's like, oh my God, I have to go to the bathroom. And well, you have to be live on TV in 10 minutes and you have no toilet paper. You have no facility. You have nowhere to go. There was just a lot of tough situations and and it was so stressful. I was like, I have no choice but to make a career change here because I can't do this anymore. Um, So my doctor prescribed me Liauda. And so it was just like the pill. Can't say I've ever heard that one. I know it's, it's, like, I know it's changed a lot since I've. It's the name brand of Misalmi. Mm, haven't been so, on that one either. So I, I was on all the nasty steroids and then I got put on infusions. So I, I oh, jumped absolutely. from like. The steroids yeah. have like damn near ruined my life several times. I mean, it is just the moon face, the, the anger, the rage, the sweats. Yes. Like it. The, <laughs> <laughs> Highest dosage. What, what were you at? I think 150, but oh, I was shit. tapering. Okay. And that was a more recent flare up that I That's actually. That's a lot. It was. And I, it tapered off for eight months. So, so I mean. You I, are severe to extreme. Yes. I mean, yeah. things were, have been several, things have been really bad for me on several occasions, but so that, you know, I went on the salamine was getting on the right track. And then mm. I've, I've heard this a lot. Some people have denial about their diagnosis. And I think I was kind of facing that. And I start, I stopped taking my medication. I started feeling better. And I was like, Oh, you know, they must've misdiagnosed me. I feel great. I don't need to be on that medicine anymore. Big mistake that did work for me for about a year, actually. Surprisingly. Well, I mean, that's, that's good. I was in remission. I was doing great. And then all of a sudden crept back up on me. And I went through the same thing again, where I was, you know, I want to push it off. I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to go to the doctor. Finally went. And he was like, Leanne, you like, when you are getting to this point, you can die. If you, if you don't come in and take care of yourself, you can't ignore and push off your symptoms. This is a big deal. And you can't live in denial. So that's when I'm still today working from home. So I'm in a better situation to where I can be in the comfort of my own home. And thank God, because I don't know how some people go into the office every day dealing with our symptoms. Like I would have been fired by now if I worked at an in-person job. 
Always great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, people, and I know people who have this disease who are battling in court, trying to get disability, who are trying to, to fight the system and they're, they're not like budging at all. The system's not budging because some places just don't consider it a priority or a disability. And if, when you don't have access to the bathroom or, or you can't be in the comfort of your own home, imagine working in a small workplace where there's five people and the bathroom's right next to everyone's desks and you're going and taking 15 to 20 trips a day. It's embarrassing. You want to yep. be in the comfort of your home, your own home. So you're really limited to what your options are and what you can do for work. So I'm very, very blessed to have the opportunity to work from home. And now I'm on Humira. So I'm doing the Salamine and Humira and just kind of adjusting to life on both of those and trying to normalize it. (laughs) It's a a hard no for me. So I was on Humira for like two months and bitched out because I was like, nope. Nope. I had the the spring loaded one. So five or six years ago, I want to point out five or six years ago, those springs were a hell of a lot heavier than they are now. So supposedly they've gotten a lot better with the auto injectors. And I was like, oh, thank God, because I feel bad for people. How it is. But no, it take me like two and a half hours to use one of them. So I was like, you know, I'm done. I do. uh, I do Remicade every six weeks. And that works for me. Yeah, my mom. Um, so I think she did Remicade or Intivio. I forget which one she's on now, but mm-hmm. she's back. She's gone back and forth between the two. And I, if Humira doesn't work for me, that is Remicade is my next step. Yep. Yep. No, it, it's worked pretty well. I mean, I was at eight weeks for a really long time, but I bumped down to six because it just wasn't lasting long enough for me. And there's actually a specialist here in Richmond, Virginia that deals with people that have um, severe to extreme Crohn's and colitis. And he has patients that are all the way down to every two weeks on Remicade that, that kind of keeps their stuff under control. Now, I feel horrible for their insurance companies because it's ungodly expensive, um, <laughs> but it is something, you know, for people that are using Remicade, you can talk about more frequent uh, infusions if it's not quite working for you, because it is one of those um, infusions where if you stop it, there's a good chance you can build up antibodies to it. And there's no guarantee you can start trying it again if it's something else doesn't work. So there's always that back and forth. And to touch on the whole, yeah, if you don't take care of yourself with Crohn's or colitis, you can die from it. So going back to as well, if you don't take care of your body, your body decides when it's going to take its time off. Yes. So <clears throat> at 17, when I got diagnosed, you know, men are incredibly good at sharing anything that's going on in our lives, including feelings. Um <laughs> Now, I want to point out, 17, you're considered a child as far as the healthcare system is considered. So 17, I was in a pediatric um, gastroenterologist, and I happened to have a female doctor who was probably in her mid-20s, fairly attractive, not even going to sugarcoat it. So having a communication of, hey, by the way, Yep. Nope. This is, this is all of my digestive history is what I'm doing with on a regular basis. I'm, I was horrible at communicating with my doctor, what was going on on top of that. I have a high pain tolerance. So, you know, okay, whatever. So also at the point of 20 to 30 bathroom visits a day, um, dehydration, everything. So I finally ended up going to the hospital because at the time I was out to lunch with my girlfriend went to a hibachi place up in Massachusetts where I was living at the time. And I was used to having to go to the bathroom like halfway between lunch and a couple other times. And 
maybe I'll be nauseous and throw a little bit of it up for salad or something. <clears throat> but I was in the bathroom, just throwing up and I was puking up blood. Mm -hmm. I was like, colitis is at the end of my digestive tract. Right. My stomach is at the beginning. There shouldn't be any blood in there. Like that's, that's a no-go. That's really bad. <clears throat> so I ended up having to go to the hospital. And when I checked in, I had minor organ failure across most of my body because my yeah. body was just eating itself. Yeah, that's <clears throat> what happens. You have to take care of yourself. You have to listen to your body. Yep, because I went from around like 160, 165 to down around 105 in around three weeks when I was oh full flare. Yeah, so my body was just eating itself. Like whatever food yeah. I put in me was just going straight through and my body was just eating itself to survive. Um, and yeah, no, a bunch of those nasty side effects and, and prednisone. So yeah, when it comes to a digestive disease, if you're not taking care of it, like your body will turn you off. Yeah. Be like, okay, you know what? You're going to lose energy from that and that. And if you let it go bad enough, yeah, your organs start to shut down because your body starts to eat them. And why do we, the, my question that I ask myself all the time is like, why do I let it get to that point? Because if you catch it earlier on, you could save yourself from the, the doctor's visits and possibly a longer stint of prednisone. So I think, so I, I'm, I have a life coach and really big on mental health as well. And mm -hmm. the main thing that I'm working on with her is like holistic healing, as far as understanding my illness and accepting it as a part of who I am and understanding, like, this is never going to go away. And a prednisone, like when I have to go on these months of prednisone, I just like deep depression because it's hard. 150 milligrams. That is, it's hard. hard. I, I was at the peak of a hundred and that like, there were some nasty side effects that came along with that. I was hallucinating ton of depression. I can't even imagine 150, let alone, oh God, I was breaking out everywhere. I didn't sleep for months. I avoided yep. taking pictures because my face, I literally looked like the Michelin man. Like I had, I would wake up eight to 10 times throughout the night to get up and go pee because like your liver function is so like high and I'm just depleting. And then the rage that just comes with it. I don't know if you experienced mood that. Swings. Yep. Yes. Yep. The mood swings. Uh, yeah. My relationship at the time was, was interesting. Mood swings were all over the place. All so over the place. In relationships. Can we talk about dating when you have a broken butt? Yeah. Because yeah, it doesn't happen. <laughs> so it, I, we don't have to talk about it because it doesn't happen. <laughs> see, I'm in a three-year relationship now. Oh, and well, I can't even imagine being with. I, I mean, I don't know what I was like in the dating world pre-colitis like I can't imagine being with anybody else who understands my illness this way but I'm like no man expect to come into a relationship with a woman who is just like farting and shitting 24 7 <laughs> oh. <laughs> and not still be attracted to me <laughs> yeah no I know uh, yeah no it's <clears throat> dating's fun so so I've been playing around with this because <clears throat> I've been single for a very long time. Um, <clears throat> most, mostly by choice because I don't actively pursue normal relationships. I'm just like, yeah, friends with benefits every once in a while. Call it a day because you don't really have to talk about a ton. Like, right. all right, one focus. We're good. Catch on a good fun. day when I'm not in I'm a flare. Having fun. Yeah. We're both having fun. <laughs> what, what matters? What else is broken in our lives, right? 
Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, dating, dating's interesting. And I was kind of playing around with it because, I mean, in the dating world online, online is really the method, method nowadays. And it's really easy to kind of test because Tinder, for example, I had two accounts, two. Had a normal one. Like, hey, here's who I am. Here's what I have. Here's what I do. And you have the, you know, the, the for fun one, friends with benefits. And, and you see kind of how they interact. <clears throat> and focusing on friends with benefits, way more matches, way more connections, way more communication. Focusing on dating, um, disclosing early. Very, very, very few people even willing to talk to you. Disclosing later, um, you have a better communication aspect like you might match with more people and you can actually have conversations but once it comes up the drop rate's really high i would say from my experiences dating having an active conversation with someone for two three plus weeks so you know good back and forth maybe going on a couple dates meeting up a couple times doing stuff i mean i'm in virginia so you know there's plenty of stuff to do outside going to parks uh the beach you know there's tons of stuff um <clears throat> And bringing it up at a later point, I would say eight out of 10 people just drop off. Wow. Eight out of 10. That, that's, that's from personal experience. You can be having, like, you can click on a lot of things, have a lot of similar, you know, hobbies, interests. you be on the same level, like intellectually, maybe <clears throat> similar goals. Um, and bringing that up and kind of disclosing it, I would say eight, eight out of 10 eight out of 10 people would drop off within a couple of days of bringing it up. <clears throat> the other two out of 10, maybe would go somewhere, would slowly drop off at times. Sometimes you get someone that will kind of hang around and talk to. Um, <clears throat> and I did a whole like solo episode about it because one of the things I started with with the podcast, I was like, hey, here's all the areas of my life that colitis is affected and here's how it's affected it. Right. And <clears throat> I talked a lot about certain people to focus on. So obviously anybody in the chronic and disabled community is an option right away because we have this automatic level of understanding. And I talk about this a lot with everybody else that's in, you know, a different diagnosis area than just Crohn's and colitis. Um, because there's this automatic level of understanding of, hey, <clears throat> you deal with bullshit, I deal with bullshit because we both have something broken on our body to right. some degree. <clears throat> um, and there's that automatic connection so you can get past a lot of the basic stuff and, and actually have good conversations. Then I think as far as profession-wise, <clears throat> doctors, nurses, obviously, have a better understanding of it because they're around it on a regular basis. Teachers and first responders. Yeah. I think those, those are your areas to focus on dating-wise as far as careers. But yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's fun kind of to navigate and Funny enough, one of the other groups that I'm in, um, the DLC, which is the Diverse Ability Leadership Collective, we were playing around with the idea of having just a conversation around like dating and relationships because it is such a large thing to take into account when you have a chronic illness or a disability. Because <clears throat> I've said it a lot, you know, we have days where 10% is our best. That's mm -hmm. it. That's all you're getting out of me. I Bear might take a shower, like. Maybe I'll take a shower. I might make some food for myself. And that's about it. <clears throat> um, and then there's days where we get like 130% because we're feeling great. We got a oh, bunch yeah. of energy. We want to do stuff. And that's 
unfortunately, you know, going in the dating world, you have to be upfront with that and say, Hey, look, this is the normal. You might get 130%. You're more likely to get between 10 and 70%. Absolutely. <clears throat> and it's not that and I, I don't want to give more, but that's just what I get. It's some days it's literally impossible. And I think I've struggled with that too, because, you know, I, I live with my boyfriend now and he has two kids, my stepkids now, and they're young and they're running around and they're, they're, they're crazy. And I love so much spending time with them and hanging out with them. But when I'm really, really sick and I'm in a flare, it's impossible to do anything. And I, thankfully I'm at an understanding with my boyfriend to where he understands. I'm like, Hey, I'm having one of those days. Mm -hmm. And it's, and I feel like it can be confusing to people because we don't look any different. I just look like I'm laying on the couch or I might be hung over or something. And I'm like, you literally don't understand the chronic exhaustion that I feel. And I feel like I'm in quicksand right now. I, I cannot move. But some days I'll even get waves on those bad days where I'm like, oh, I feel a little bit better. And I'll try to get up and I'll run around and I'll try to cook or, you know, I'll clean a little bit. And I always regret it because I'm like, I just need to accept Yep. This is a bare minimum day. And I, I can't keep pushing myself because it just turns out worse in the end. All right. Out of curiosity, what does he do for a living? <laughs> He's a police officer. <laughs> Boom. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we got we got one confirmed theory. Yeah. My, my theory has a one confirmed case as a police officer, first responder. All right. But okay. I will say, I feel like you have to at least it makes me feel better when I can make jokes out of it. Yeah. No, I, I say that a lot. Like you have to have a sense of humor when you have a disability or a chronic illness. Otherwise, I'm sorry. You're just miserable. You're miserable. Yeah. And I'm no. sorry. Like you'll get there eventually. But when you're done with your little pity party, like we'll be over here having fun, maybe not quite full energy as everybody else, but we'll be having fun. Cause yeah, it's <clears throat> like I said, that's how I introduce like somebody new to what I have, like I have a broken butt. And if they question it more, I do weird right. butt stuff with my doctor and careful what else you ask because you will I get an answer. To, yes, I have to crack a joke about it. I have to make light of it so it doesn't seem like this weird taboo topic or people know that I have it, but they don't know what it means or what I deal with. And I'm just like, listen, I shit my pants yesterday. Okay. Yep. That's the that's the worst. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I've done that a couple of times. And I so once, like, right at the door of my apartment. I was like, really? 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 I, I locked the door today. I had to double lock it because whatever reason. Couldn't have just locked one. Couldn't have just left it open. It's a, it's a nice apartment complex. They got cameras. What's? I know all my neighbors. <laughs> my like, family, oh. we, we always are making fun of it. My stepson, he's in preschool, and he had an accident one day at school. And we were coming home. We're like, you know, you don't poop your pants at school. And everyone was like Leanne does though she poops her pants and I'm like listen I've got problems you can't just be pooping your pants on a good day <laughs> you don't have anything wrong with you like, <laughs> you're, you're 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 working normally your butt's your butt's functional mine's uh, it's got its good days and it's bad days no and but then <clears> we try to make light of the situation you know if no. you poop your pants it's okay man I do it all the time who is yeah. it who <sighs> Mm, i trying to remember what retailer did it. I think it was like JCPenney. They did that, a ship your pants. Oh, yeah. I don't remember who I'm trying to remember what it was. I was like, hey, I know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was like, oh, yeah, hey. So, <clears throat> yeah, you got you to gotta be able to make fun of it and, and joke around with it. Maybe after the fact, you know, during's not always right. the, the most enjoyable aspect. But, um, yeah, you got to be able to kind of poke fun at it and, and, and have a little fun with it. Otherwise, yeah, you're, you're miserable, and I'm sorry. It helps sorry. normalize it. Like, when it comes back to our culture and, and kind of that, you know, bringing up the taboo aspect of it, in, in America – both both mental health and um i guess digestive disease it's more acceptable in america to talk about the kinky shit you do in the bedroom than it is to talk about your mental health or your health condition yep it's more acceptable and no big deal talking about that awesome hookup you had over the weekend but god forbid we want to talk about hey i had a rough day a little depressed or you know what? I'm having I'm having issues with my health today. <clears throat> I need to take it a little slow. You know, God forbid you say that in the workplace, and it's just <clears throat> it's a problem, right? And I think that's that whole culture and that tabooness is part of the reason why I've lost a lot of my friendships since being diagnosed. Because you know, a lot of people at my age are still into that hookup culture, and nobody else around me has kids. We're not living the same lifestyle, and it's out to drink, binge drink every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I literally cannot live my life like that without being stuck on steroids and stuck on the toilet. I just, I cannot live that way anymore. And so it's really hard and people don't understand that. So that was something I touched on in my like social aspect of one of the episodes that I did. I really touched on how a chronic illness affects your social life. And Alcohol was a really big one. So, you know, being 28 um, and having it since I've been 17, alcohol is a major aspect of people in our age range as far as, you know, going out, going to the bar, drinking. And there's this massive obstacle of, hey, I don't drink in the, um, the chronic community and in and the uh, Crohn's and colitis community because it causes a lot of us to flare up. And you know what? There's certain drinks I can have and they're safe sometimes um, and other times they're not. So it's like, do I want to try something new? No, I just cut it all out together, all together. And I got so tired of explaining, I don't drink. Well, why not? Because of my stomach. Oh, you can have one drink. No, no, I can't. Right. That's a horrible idea. Oh, it's just, it's just one. No, no, it's not just one. It's one. And then five days of a flare up, maybe a hospitalization. And then, <clears throat> you know, you throw out, Oh, I'll come with you guys. I'll, I'll, I'll be a designated driver. Oh, we got Uber. Well, I'm not going to drink if I come with you guys. So like, I'll come along, but I'm not drinking. Mm -hmm. And they end up pushing the issue more. And it's like, you know what? You just stop going because you're like, you know what? You guys are too stupid to figure it out. Yeah. And I don't know how many times I can explain it. (laughs) Yeah. Because we, our culture centers around alcohol. People go out, they go to brunch. Oh, let's get mimosas. Let's go to a concert. I don't know anybody who goes to a concert and doesn't have a couple of drinks. It's just every single little thing, you know, I go on camping trips with friends, it's centered around alcohol. And I'm just, I, I can't be there. And like you, I can drink sometimes, but it really is a gamble. And I have never had any luck getting out of a flare up naturally. I've always had to go on steroids to, to bring that, to bring myself out of that hole. And it's not worth it. It's not worth binge drinking to then put myself in this 
terrible, dark prednisone place that I don't want to be in for months. It's the consequences that you will face for months. Well, on top of that too, um, on, on the topic of prednisone, it's, it's a very nasty drug in general and especially for women. So a lot of people don't realize and a lot of your doctors don't mention it right away, but prolonged use of prednisone can drastically affect your bone structure. Um, now I had to go to a bone doctor last year. I have no idea what bone doctors are called. I'm sure. I've heard it like six <laughs> times since going there. Um, and they were really confused because at 27, when I went, I had the bone density of a 60 year old lady with osteoporosis and they're like, you're a guy and you're 27. So we don't know what to do with you. I'm like, oh no, I know exactly why it's like that. I was like, I had a bunch of prednisone. My bones are really bad. I was like, they're not getting worse because I'm not anymore prednisone, but they're not getting better unless, you know, I start taking supplements and, and generally something like that. <clears throat> um, up into a certain age, men and women can build up bone density naturally with, with supplements and working out usually in the form of weightlifting or um, weighted cardio. Now, <clears throat> it's more important for women because women already have issues with bone density as they get older. So you introduce a steroid, especially at a very high dosage like prednisone that naturally chews away at your calcium and bone density. It can be a very, very bad combination together. So yes, a drink at the party that's three months worth of prednisone or two months worth of prednisone. And you know, if it, if your colitis or Crohn's is really bad at a high dosage, that's taking years off of your bones, especially if you're a female. So it's really, really important to know the side effects of the steroids that you're on. And if that's what it takes to bounce you back, the ramifications of that in the long run, because over a certain age, getting that bone density back is incredibly hard. Right. Yeah. And it's scary. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, breaks I are more common, sprain, you know, fractures yeah. really easy. Um, a big one that I notice with my bones is walking long periods of, of like distance. The bottom of my feet hurt, not the foot, like the actual bone on the bottom of my feet mm -hmm. kind of bruises and hurts from walking a ton. Yeah. The, I will say the only compliment I will give to prednisone is that I always have immediate relief, like immediate stop bleeding, but um, I, I go off of it too soon. Mm -hmm. It'll start right back up. Yes. So I, I talk a lot about, um, kind of medications and looking at the side effects when you get them, um, especially related to Crohn's and colitis. So I say that because I am now a bald man that has a beautiful beard. Um, the bald was a choice I took about two-ish plus years ago because I was on a medication. I think it was metronidazole, something like that. Um, but what it is, is it's a cell loss prevention drug, which in layman's term, stops internal bleeding. Mm -hmm. um, it's very commonly used in pair with cancer treatments. So one of the major side effects and what contributes to a lot of people losing their hair when they're going in cancer treatments is it's very common hair loss is a big thing. And I didn't know about it. My doctor didn't even bother telling me. And I was on it for like six months and eventually stopped it myself and called my doctor out on it. Cause you know, showering in the morning, you're just washing your hair and there's like hair coming out. And you're like, okay, whatever, a little bit here and there. The further you go, you're just like losing more and more hair. And you're like, what is okay. This is not okay. And 
don't get me wrong, I have a really nice shaped head, so it works being bald. <laughs> and I can grow a beard because I'm gifted out of, you know, the the men that can't grow the greatest of beards. But on, on the note of, you know, the female side effects, I see a lot of people in the Crohn's and colitis groups where they're not aware of those side effects. And, and I, I try to warn people a lot on it. Hey, look at the side effects because hair loss is a really common one. And if you're a woman, you know, going bald and growing a beard isn't as much as an option as, as if you're, you're a guy. And don't get me wrong, there's guys that don't want to go that route either. So it's, it's really important to look up those medications and the side effects because your doctors may think about it, but they're, they're not thinking about the common ones. And the fun fact that I found out um, a couple episodes ago, most side effects for medication are side effects based off of men, not women. A right. lot of people don't realize that. So a lot of the medications are tested on men and the side effects are severity and um, frequency is based off of men, not necessarily women. So something that's rare may actually be more common if you are a female based on, you know, anatomy and the different hormones in your body. So. And typically uh, white men as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. These things don't cater to people of color. So that's another challenge that people face within the disability community. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and so when I was on prednisone for a really long period of time, I was experiencing significant hair loss. And I was like Googling it. And some people were saying, yes, but it's not like a clear side effect. I mean, gobs and gobs of hair coming out in the shower every single night. And it was alarming and it's sad, you know, nobody wants to, to watch that and feel that, feel it come out. And it's, I still struggle with it to this day. I mean, I, my hair is thinned. It's not the same that it used to be. Mm-hmm. And it's just really hard to feel feminine and be who I've always been my whole life when I look at pictures and I'm, I don't feel like I look like the same person that I was pre-diagnosis. So that was one of the big things that kind of led me to shaving my head. And, and I worked retail for 10 years at Best Buy because, you know, retail, why not? <laughs> the best of places to work in general. <clears throat> um, but I had, I haven't been on that medication that caused a lot of my hair to fall out in seven-ish years, probably mm-hmm. six or seven years, I would say. Um, and a lot of it fell out and, and depending on the medications you're on, it doesn't necessarily come back because some of them prevent the growth or, or make it more challenging for new hair follicles to grow. Um, but it was one of those things that it's, we have an invisible condition. We don't see it on a regular basis. We don't, you know, if, if we're not actively in pain, we might not think about it as much because it's not visible. It's not like we, you know, lost a leg or an arm or something that's, you know, a little more obvious to the visible eye. Um, and it's one of those reminders, or at least it was for me that, that they used to drive me crazy. And that's part of why I shaved my head. Cause I hated the difference. Mm-hmm. And that's why, why I try to talk about it so much because it's, I didn't really care starting out, but in the retail world, people point everything out because they're assholes, um, especially during the holidays. And I've had, I would say working at Best Buy, usually two to three customers a year um, that would make some sort of a remark or ask something along the lines of, oh, why do you work in retail? Clearly, you can't handle the stress. And always catch me off guard, like, whoa, what do you mean? Like, it's not that bad of a job. Well, if you can handle the stress, you know, your hair wouldn't be falling out. Oh. Or maybe you'd still have more hair because you get those people because they come in, you know, you get the occasional half drunk customer coming in, being an asshole to everyone. <clears throat> and yeah, it's, it's, 
it's one of those extra things that comes along with your condition where you're just like, come on, really, really? <clears throat> and I've kind of come to terms with it and hell, I built a whole podcast brand around it now being a bearded advocate because my hair just decided to invert itself, which is okay. Um, and which, fun fact, if you ever want to feel great about yourself, be around little kids. <laughs> oh my God, no, they eat you up. They eat you alive. Depends. Okay, so let me let me put it this way. So in January, yeah, January, I went to, to went to my friend's wedding up in in New Jersey, and he's got a he's seven 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 year old stepdaughter, mm-hmm. and we we're all sitting down and we we're talking, and I mentioned something about being bald, and immediately she's like, "Alex, you're not bald. You have hair on your face." I was like. Okay, wow. some of them are nice. You need, you need to go. You need to go borrow some nice children to be around because they make you feel a lot better about certain things. So I have two nephews and two stepchildren. They're all super sweet kids, but they're just brutally honest with you. Like they'll be like, "Wow, those pants look huge," and I'm like, "Those are my pants." Okay, well, they'll kick you while you're down and not mean to. They're just being really honest. They have no social conscience. <laughs> they're accurate and i mean right. she was she was accurate there's hair on my face she's right a little off on the term bald but whatever you know so sometimes <laughs> they can help help you feel better and, and make really nice comments so yeah my buddy's like you just you just made his year i was like that she did she did i was like that's yeah. that's what i want to hear i need more of this in my life um <clears throat> but yeah no it's 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 really important to kind of educate yourself around it and be aware of those side effects because a lot of them really they just come out of nowhere and a lot of the times if you're already dealing with a bunch of stuff you're like what what now something else hurts or something else is being weird or you know you start seeing stuff and you're just like what can I not get a break like was everything else not enough yeah and a lot of the times you're on not just one medication because if you're on prednisone then you're usually on like a merpazole or Prilosec OTC to deal with acid reflux. And maybe that's not working on. So they got to put you on <clears throat> something else as well. It used to be as a call was a really common one that they don't really make anymore. I don't know what the generic yeah. version of it is. Horse size pill, massive pills, but yeah. it used to do a great job. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> keeping track of side effects when you're on four different medications, 20 pills a day. Like it gets challenging. So it's really, really important to kind of educate yourself when you get a new prescription, even before you fill it, like have your doctor write it down. If you can read their handwriting um, and go Google the common side effects before you even pick it up. Cause I've definitely gotten medications before not thought about it. And even past couple of years had like a small flare up. My doctor, Oh, we'll just add this, take it for like a month and you'll be good. Not a, not a, you know, steroid or anything crazy and start taking it for like a week and then having mood swings or just depressed randomly like what the hell is this like where did this depression come from like i know, I know all the normal stuff like i know that base level of depression it's just being broke that comes right. with being in in the chronic system because you know medical bills and everything that goes along with it. i was like that that base level was okay but wh- wh- what's this this is new where the hell did this come from and then you search your medication common side effects may cause depression. I'm like, really? Well, I will say what's helped me. <clears throat> um, so I was on misalamine, four pills a day, got my Humira injections, also <clears throat> on birth control. And then there for a while, I was on Lexapro and Wellbutrin to deal with my depression and anxiety. 
And on top of that, my steroids. So I had all these medications, you know, constantly dealing with prescriptions, pickup, renewing insurance, paying the copays, adjusting things to get on like patient programs. And it was getting so overwhelming to keep track of. And that's when I decided, and this, I'm just saying to, to preface this, this is my personal experience. And I'm not saying that this works for everyone, but I had made the decision to get off of my antidepressants because I wanted to transition into holistic healing. So I nixed those two and started really, really working with a life coach and therapy to kind of, and it, it was more challenging for me than to, to take the pill to then really focus and sit with how can we handle this in a holistic approach and take a different angle on this so that I can start taking less medication. And it's been a year and a half of really, really hard work, but I'm very thankful that I chose that route for myself. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's an important conversation to have. And I say that because personally, I have never been on any antidepressants, which may or may not have been the best decision in the long run. Um, definitely starting out was way, way, way more depressed and, and definitely suicidal than I needed to be being newly diagnosed, which is a common thing. It's, it's, yeah, absolutely. it's common because there's a lot of things changing. Um, and like I said, not having any antidepressants at that time probably wasn't the greatest of decisions, but it's part of why I talk about, you know, <clears throat> taking the time to focus on mental health because in America, we have this amazing system if you get to the point of being, you know, suicidal, there's a number you can call. So if you get to the absolute extreme, hey, give us a call. We'll try to help you. We know you're you're already way out there, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll try to help you out. But there's no system in place for hey, by the way, this is the absolute extreme. There was a whole bunch of issues all the way here mm-hmm. that we could have helped with, but you know, we're not going to. So good luck. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things that I talk a lot about is. I have an IT background, went to school for IT. I have an automotive background. I have a whole bunch of different skills and stuff that I do because, you know, probably have ADHD and want to learn everything. Um, But with the IT-based background, one of the things I think about and I, I guess, give an analogy around is technology. One of the first things I think everybody knows when your technology starts acting up, your phone starts acting up, your computer's being a pain, you turn it off. And you turn it back on. Simple as that. And it lets your computer or your phone, it dumps everything that's going on, gets rid of it all, and starts back up from the basic. And it's like, okay, here's how we function. Yep, mm-hmm. we're a computer, we're a phone. All right, hey, look, that's the login screen. We're doing good. Oh, that's what the pin was. That's how we reactivate ourselves. Okay, oh, look, a whole bunch of apps. We're doing good. Let's start opening them. <clears throat> and I think we can do the same thing to our brain in a way. And I talk a lot about it when it comes to things that you're passionate about and things that allow you to 100% disassociate with everything that else is going on and focus on what you're doing. And for me, that's photography. I do a lot of nature photography as a hobby, which I really enjoy. Um, and it lets me kind of look at things in a different view. Um, and gaming, which you know I'm a big gamer, which is why I'm so good with technology and, and running a podcast and all these fun editing and everything. And it's really important because finding that activity that allows you to just focus on whatever it is, it could be reading, writing, painting, drawing, it could be playing an instrument, 
It could be taking a walk, going down to the beach if you're in the beach or going out in the forest. There's so many options and it, it can be specifically to you. Um, working on cars for me is another one when I you know, have the opportunities to, it's something I get fully involved in and I don't really focus on anything else. And I think for a lot of us that are dealing with a new diagnosis, an existing diagnosis, changes in it, especially if you're in a hospital for any period of time, because there's just so much free time to kind of think about things. It's really important to prioritize that, whatever it is, um, and take the time and set aside and be like, hey, you know what? I'm spending two hours doing my activity, and then I'll deal with everything that's going on. Because you know, something I kind of learned early on, talking on the stress aspect of how you know stress immediately impacts your digestive tract. Um, <clears throat> it played a massive role because, you know, doctor's visits, the bills rolling in, medications, you're losing half, half if not more of your social circles, relationships going to shit because everything's changing, you know, work life constantly getting written up because God, you're underperforming, even if you're a good employee <clears throat> because you're, you know, constantly in the bathroom or your mood's off because of all the medications. It lets you put all of that on pause and go to that specific activity and you're able to kind of relax. Your brain calms down, you calm down, and then you finally finish everything up. Maybe you finish playing a level, working on that drawing that you just did, writing something, reading. Then you kind of come back to it in the same way a computer would you. Okay. Now we got to deal with everything that's going on, but okay, what do we, what do we have to deal with? Cause now, now you got to start rethinking about it. They haven't been floating around in your head. You really have to start. Okay. Well, that was an issue. That was a problem. That was a problem. Well, now we can kind of approach it. Okay. You know what? I got this massive bill from the hospital for eight grand. Yeah. Well, that sucks. I don't have eight grand. Okay. Well, let me call up the billing department. Maybe I can set up a payment plan. Maybe I can defer some of it. Maybe, you know, if they're a large enough hospital, they can work with me. So if I'm paying a little bit, they can write a certain amount of it off as an expense because some larger hospitals do that. <clears throat> so you're able to take the time to start actually working through things. And maybe, I mean, if you're in Crohn's and colitis, if you're new to it, you hear, you hear cancer all the time because it's just oh, yeah. a side effect of everything. You're like, oh, it's going to greatly increase your chance of cancer, which freaks you out the first couple of times you hear it because... That's the big C. Nobody wants to hear cancer. Um, and it gives you kind of puts you back in the mindset. Well, hey, this new medication threw out cancer a lot. Let me go search it up. Okay, well, you know, it increases my chance from 10 million to one in 8 million. Okay, not that bad. Yeah. Or, or a lot of times you hear it like doubles your chance for cancer. And it's like, well, well you're going from 10 million to 5 million. Still not super common. Yeah. yeah, it's technically double the rate, but not as big of a deal. Like, you got better chances of a lot of other things going bad in your life than, than you know, that statistic. And it's, it's really important to take that time to separate and then come back to what you're dealing with. So you can kind of think about it a different way, you know, uh, address the issue or the problem and kind of get a different viewpoint on it and take the time to be like, okay, you know what, this is the problem. How do we, how do we deal with that? How do we get more information? How do we extend the period of time frame maybe to pay on it? How do we get a better understanding of it? Or how do we take it from this big, powerful entity that's super scary and kind of bring it back down to, okay, hey, it's just more information. It's just another, you know, <clears throat> generality. And, and there's a lot of that because maybe you have to go talk to a surgeon because your infusions are acting up. Okay, 
Well, <clears throat> look up the procedure and do a little bit on your own. Look up interviews of people that maybe had the surgery done or is this, I mean, if you, if you ever get to the point of having a, a, a bag, a colostomy bag, whether it's temporary or permanent, there's a massive community of people that have them that do all kinds of education around it and talk about their experiences. So there's a ton of resources right. and it's really important to take that time for your mental self and to say, Hey, you guys can wait. I'm going to take a couple hours and you guys can get in line. And when I'm done, we'll address it one at a time. And that's what a lot of us need to do, especially when you're new to it, because a lot of it's overwhelming and you lose a, a lot of your support system in the form of your, your social groups. And that's just kind of the, the reality to it, unfortunately, because a lot of people don't want to deal with it because it is, it is extra effort on their part. They have to, you know, put a little more effort into thinking of, Hey, we're going to go out and do things. And over time you find, you know, you find your social group. That's really, really good at it. And funny enough, I, I, I play around with this, my social group that I have from funny enough, Best Buy, we all work together at one point and we'll go out maybe once a week and we'll go do something. And between all of us, we probably have one functional body and there's four of us because <laughs> I have colitis. One person in the group is allergic to like soy, onions, everything. Oils, like everything. The other one's allergic to like certain types of fleshy fruits and nuts. And one guy's allergic to chicken and something else and yeah we go out and i i feel mildly normal going out because there's so many allergy restrictions among all of us but yeah you start to find those groups where you get along with everyone like hey thanks for making me feel a little more normal guys do you have specific foods that you have to avoid yes the healthier it is usually the less it agrees with me um and i say that in like like raw vegetables (laughs) raw vegetable like I love carrots Ugh, carrots don't love like I could eat I could sit down and if if it's like a good bag of carrots that doesn't taste weird because you know it grew at Walmart or something right. um, like some nice organic carrots that have some flavor to them I could sit there and eat like three or four carrots and like snacking on them throughout the day yeah my colitis does not like when I do that at all like I, I can get away with maybe a carrot yeah every other I day love- a good Caesar salad and I try to eat them for lunch. The romaine lettuce, I swear, it's like before I even finish the salad, I'm, I'm out. I gotta go. I yep. gotta go and I, and I will be suffering from it for like two or three days. And you're right. It's like the healthier I eat, the work, like the more sick I get. And that's what's so hard because the reality is the processed foods yep. are what's easier for us to digest. Yep. And so when I'm in a really bad flare, you know, I'll eat applesauce or I'll eat like the instant mashed potatoes, which is part of the reason outside of the prednisone, I've yo-yoed weight. Like my weight has yo-yoed so much because if I'm sick, you're literally in survival mode and you will do anything to, to feel better. And so if that means I'm eating you know, things that are terrible for you, but make me feel better then that's what I have to do. And my biggest frustration, and I'm sure you have had this said on this podcast several times, but I'm sick and tired of people telling me, have you tried changing your diet? I think that would help your ulcerative colitis. I think if you would just maybe try vegan, maybe you should do organic. I'm like, you should do your I mean, research no. where you yeah. open your mouth. <laughs> the healthier you go, the usually worse it is when you're in a flare-up. And, and that's that's a conversation we have a lot and, and that I've talked to a lot of people about because it is super frustrating. 
mm-hmm. incredibly frustrating. Like I can't do a lot of vegetables. And over COVID, I was doing a lot of meal prep because I had a lot of extra time because, you know, I was, I was in uh, admin leave, thankfully, with my job. So I got to stay home for eight months. Um, and I was doing a lot of like rice, chicken, which gets along really well, broccoli, asparagus. But I, I love um, zucchini and squash. Mm-hmm. Well, zucchini and squash, even if I steam or bake it, the skin on the outside drives my colitis crazy even if I steam it or bake it and a lot of it was just rubbish so I was I was really I'm like you know I'm trying to be good trying to eat healthy Mm -hmm. like I know I can do rice I know I can do chicken I thought like steamed vegetables I'd be good you will season and make it nice I was I was super mad super mad and 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 on the alcohol aspect like COVID you could get alcohol to go Mm -hmm. okay yeah, well, you know, I twist my arm like, all right, I'm gonna get some Mexican food. I'm gonna get a margarita to go right. in like a giant cl- plastic cup because, you know, Mexican restaurants give it and they're small is like a big Slurpee from, you know, 7-Eleven, like the big yeah. or whatever. <clears throat> and I was annoyed because I've had plenty of margaritas before and I had like half of it because I was dating someone at the time and, you know, she had half of it. I had half of it. We we're just you know, some Mexican food and drink. No big deal. I was flare for like five days. I almost had to go to the hospital because of something I've yeah. had 20, 30, 40, 50 times before. I'm like, really, really, really? Like, it's like my one oh, alcohol okay. drink during like this past year. And this is what I get. <clears throat> so no, it is frustrating because, you know, I mean, there's certain, certain fast food places I avoid like the plague, but McDonald's, no big deal. Same. Taco Bell, no problem. I can go to some burger places. Now, Burger King... I don't know what they do to their burgers, but it just, that's just a horrible idea. I don't um, eat there. I don't know. <laughs> and K- KFC, I really try to avoid just because their, their chicken's like overly greasy because it's fried. And that's just, you know, it'd be like putting oil down a water slide. Like you're just, you're just lubing it to make it go faster. Like it's not a great, right. great combo. Um, but things like, you know, Chick-fil-A, Chipotle, Moe's, Chipotle a lot of it chicken, is yeah. really, okay. I, <clears throat> I have to do chicken. I can't really get away with the beef there. Chicken, chicken and like white oh. rice. Brown rice though is rougher and brown rice doesn't always agree. How do you with tolerate red meat? Uh, ground. Do you, can you eat steak or will it really just be in? <clears throat> um, so I'll eat steak from time to time. It depends on the type of steak and in my opinion, how you cook it. Right. So I cook my steak usually more medium rare, rare. Um, and I prefer when I'm having it T-bone actually, uh-huh. because T-bone steak has a very different texture. And in my opinion, has a unique flavor that I enjoy and the way I season it tastes really good. Do I have it all the time? No, but <clears throat> T-bone I think is, is when I'm eating it. I think it's, it's a little easier to break down. And when you cook it right, it's super, super tender. Yeah. Um, so I think if it's, if it's something where it's more of a tender cut, it doesn't bother me, which is why I can get away with burgers. Burgers don't bother me at all because it's ground beef. Like it's not really hard to break down because it's, it's already pre-chewed by a machine. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's been pre-chewed. Your body doesn't have to break it down with stomach acid or enzymes or anything. Um, whereas yeah, some of the larger steaks or more like chain steaks that you would get are very, very stringy in a sense. Like even if it's tender, it's tender in strings. Whereas when I get a, um, a T-bone, I get it thin cut and mm-hmm. then I do it super, like I do it medium rare, rare. So I 
literally like a minute on each side and cast iron or on the grill at really high temp and then boom, done, cut it super tender, super good. Um, but it's, it's incredibly tender. So I don't even need like a knife to cut it. You just kind of flip your fork on the side and no issues that, that tougher stuff. Like if I do beef jerky, yeah, beef jerky definitely doesn't agree with me as good as some of the flavors I have are, but yeah, because it's so, it's so tough. Mm-hmm. So I think it really plays a role and yeah, no, that, that super processed fast food, no problem. Right. It goes that- right goes right to my ass like both internally and and pads it as well um but yeah no it's 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 really frustrating because I see that I see that a lot in the groups people ask that question like hey why does something super healthy bother me I was like because it's raw welcome to our world world. it's a raw whole healthy organic food and guess what it's in the fundamentally basic form so you know what your body has to do it has to take all that effort to break it down get past all that fiber to break it down into fundamental things that your body can use I was like guess what a Starbucks coffee is it's sugar guess what you can use sugar like you don't have to break it down much or right. guess what, you know, McDonald's burger is saturated fats. Guess what's easy to break down? Saturated fats. Mm-hmm. Is it great for your, your, you know, weight? Absolutely not. But guess what? It doesn't bug my colitis. Right. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's, that's a really common thing that really pisses people off. And on the flip side, the have you tried group, like you guys can, uh, can go fuck yourselves. Um, I don't <laughs> want to hear that at all. Like, have you tried minding your damn business? No, I didn't think so. You should try it. But yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where it is really frustrating because you are, you're trying to do all these healthy things. And, and when you have colitis, one of the first things you do, oh, let me search a healthy diet. And I'm going to be honest, most healthy diets, like 80% of it can cause a flare up. Mm-hmm. If you look at like, you know, low density um, food. So like something that fills you up, but doesn't have a lot of calories. A lot of the things on there are super high in fiber. Popcorn's a really high one too, and popcorn can cause a lot of flare-ups. Um, fruits and vegetables are usually um, low caloric density, where you know fills up fills you up really well, but that's all fiber that's just scratching its way through your digestive tract when you're in a flare-up. So it's it's really frustrating. And yeah, people, have you tried this? No, I haven't, and I'm not going to. Or um, I've had the opposite. You know, I'm a big hot Cheetos fan, and I've had people say to me. Why are you eating those? Wouldn't that, Jalapenos? that make your colitis worse? No, actually, I'm going to be just fine from this. Mind your own damn business. I don't know why, but the hot Cheetos are fine. I get so no repercussions. Fake spicy? Perfectly fine. Um, I, I like I eat the jalapeno ones and I eat, eat some other hot stuff. Perfectly fine. No issues. Okay. Real spice? Pay doesn't agree. Like, so it, it depends on the source of it. Pay the price. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm half Cajun. Yeah. Mm, everything Cajun is spicy, which is a painful thing that I can't eat a lot of Cajun food the way it's to, meant to be. It's a lot of it's dulled down the way you know, <clears throat> I make it in my, in my immediate family when we make stuff. But yeah, no, there's, there's certain things like, oh, I'm going to go get wings. I'm going to get spicy. I'm going to regret it in like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel the spice twice, but you know what? It's worth it. And you, you have those, those moments. You're like, okay, risk versus reward. 
Absolutely. This is really good food. Tastes really great. You know what? It's going to suck later, but it's only going to suck for a day. So I know it's not the end of the world. It's not going to cause a flare up, but it's going to go right through me and I'm going to regret it. But it's worth it. So you, you have a lot of those conversations. A lot yourself. of gambling. Yep. And you're like, mm, can I do wings two days in a row? I don't know, but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> Let's go for it. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of that and, it, and it's frustrating. And then one of the things I talk a lot about is you can have 10 people that have colitis that have the exact same diagnosis can all be in the mild range or moderate, be on the same medication and the diets across all of them, what is allowed could be completely different. Oh yeah. I can get away with red sauce and, and more acidic things a little bit more than most people can, which I'm grateful for because I like making pizzas and such or having spaghetti. Red sauce bothers a lot of people because it's incredibly acidic. I'm mm -hmm. lucky where I can get away with it. Some people, they can't, and they have any sort of red sauce and they can go right into a flare up. So it's, it's really, really specific. And <clears throat> one of the reasons that that kind of is a thing is also the same reason why they don't do transplants with people that have Crohn's or colitis is because the bacteria in our digestive tract is as unique to us as our fingerprint. So it's 100% unique to us and doesn't match with anybody else. And that's the same reason why we are selective when it comes to the foods that our, our Crohn's and colitis is sensitive to. Yes, there's some math behind it, like, hey, raw vegetables and things, but certain things that work for some people and don't for other, it's the bacteria in your digestive tract. Some of it's just helps you digest something or maybe somebody else can't where yeah. you shouldn't be able to, but your bacteria is a little bit better at that. Um, so that's a big, big part of it. And, and a lot of people don't understand that. And it's like, hey, can you have this? Can you have that? And it comes into back to the social thing. Like I know there's a lot of people that will avoid social events because you don't want to be the person at the cookout. that's not eating anybody's food because you don't know if it's going to agree with you. <clears throat> you don't want to be rude, but you know, and in some cultures, it's incredibly rude. Right, right. Even if it's a family event, like God forbid, you're not eating food that grandma spent 10 hours slaving over. It's a family recipe that's been passed down generation after the other. It's like, I just don't want to spend 10 hours in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So yeah, when you eat it, you're in the bathroom for half an hour and you have a normal body that digests normally. So for me, that's going to be like 10 to like 72 hours worth of digestion. Now I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to pass. Like I'm going to pay for it. So I'm good. So yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. So much fun. So what else are you learning? You're still, you're still new. Um, you got, you I, gone through any of the, like the big grief stages yet? That was another no. thing that we've, we've talked about. So really? <clears throat> yeah, that's a big thing. So we, in the DLC, one of the other groups that I'm in, um, we do a lot of podcasts and stuff and we actually had a whole thing revolving around grief when it comes to disability and chronic illness, specifically disability because it's more disability advocacy on their side, but it applies to chronic illness because Crohn's and colitis are permanent disabilities per the ADA. There's no if, ands, or buts around it, it is a permanent disability. Severity can differ from person to person, but it is a permanent disability. And grief's a very large thing that a lot of people don't really take into account because you think grief, you're like, oh, grandma died, grandpa died, someone in the family, you know, wife, spouse, significant other. Um, <clears throat> and 
there is that same level of response for a lot of people that are disabled or have been diagnosed with a chronic illness because there is subconsciously, and I mean, a lot of us understand it on the conscious level as well, there's this giant chunk of you that dies with your diagnosis. Absolutely. And it's a very common thing that everybody kind of goes through. And I'm going to be honest, up until last year, there, you know, I mean, this year, still, I've still been kind of dealing with some of it because I love automotive. I went to school for automotive after, you know, in, in college, I took some classes. I've wanted to be a diesel technician or automotive technician forever because I enjoy it. Like that's just how my brain works. I love taking things apart, tinkering. And I just turned down a apprenticeship option that would have been four years guaranteed as a diesel mechanic because I understand where my body is at. Turning wrench is not conducive to my health. Turning wrench is not conducive to your health when you're a fully functional person with a fully functional body, you know, 20 to 25 years of that, your body will be broken by the end of it because of the amount of stress that it puts on you. When your body's already broken, especially for those of us that have, you know, compromised bones from all the prednisone or different steroids and things that we've been on, the lack of energy and, you know, our body just generally hating itself mm -hmm. as it is adding another 20 to 25 years in a career that's not conducive to your body is just a horrible option. And I was kind of denying that for a long time. And that was one of the things like I didn't want to let go of. And that's a really big factor for a lot of people because you're diagnosed and you have, and when we talk about this, being born with something versus getting diagnosed or it happening later on, incredibly different experiences because you know what it's like to be fully functional. You know what it's like to have that 100% energy. You know what it's like to, you know, not to be in pain or your body to ache all the time. And taking that away, taking away all those favorite food groups that you used to have, especially when you're someone that doesn't like, isn't picky with food and you want everything. It's like, oh, by the way, 60% of that hates you. You might love it, but it hates you. So stay away from that. So there, there was a big conversation kind of around that the, the waves of grief, because it kind of hits randomly. You know, it might be you get invited to do an event or um, go out with some friends or something or go eat something, or maybe you come to the conclusion, hey, this career isn't working for me. And it kind of just hits and it's like, wow, okay, that was, that was part of old me. That was something the old version of me would have been able to do, but I, I can't do anymore. And there's that, that kind of association with the grief aspect of it, because it is, this is, and in a lot of cases, it's this massive part of you that just dies. Yeah. Because it just it just doesn't work with your new limitations or your new condition. I think, you know, the initial phase started when I had to give up my career mm -hmm. in television news because it just wasn't realistic with my diagnosis anymore. I, it wasn't feasible. And, you know, like I said, I'm very blessed to now work from work from home and be in that setting. But you know, if I wanted to go somewhere else and work, I can't go in person. Like I'm pretty much limited to doing online jobs if I want to maintain a job without getting sick and having to miss work. So, but aside from the career aspect of it, I always think about timing and I do believe everything kind of happens for a reason in some aspects of life. And I, you know, went to a huge party school in college and I was 
you know, my relationships then in college, it, they did surround around like going out and having fun and drinking. And so I was able to live out those four years and have fun with my friends, but it was, you know, came to a full stop with my diagnosis. And that's when the grief of my loss in relationships mm -hmm. and the grief and being able to kind of be a, a, I'm a flaky friend sometimes, to be completely honest. I just don't know how I'm going to be feeling and I don't want to go somewhere and then be sick or have to leave because I'm sick. So it's really hard to commit to plans sometimes. And for example, I'm taking a trip with a bunch of friends in May and I'm terrified because the old Leanne could just agree and hop on and hell yeah, let's go. Now I'm like very conscious of everything that I'm eating and trying to do everything that I can to prevent myself from getting to a flare up before my trip so that I can pretend to be normal again. And like you said, it, it does ebb and flow. I've noticed that the grief hits me a lot harder when I do dip into my flare ups and I have to go onto the prednisone because it, the reality hits me. Yep. Shit, this, this is the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have some good days, but I'm gonna have some really, really shitty days. And I have to accept that this is the reality and this will be my life forever. And it's, that's what a lot of people don't realize. And, and I'm not gonna lie, like, I think I was as lucky as I could possibly be as far as when I got diagnosed. I got diagnosed the summer after I graduated. I actually got food poisoning. And that's what kicked off the whole colitis in general. Um, but <clears throat> I don't have kids. I didn't have a career. I didn't have somebody depending on me. I wasn't in like, you know, I wasn't married. None of the above didn't have a dog. It didn't, didn't really matter. There was, there was no set life that I had. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was in school to be in automotive and I had an IT background. So I had an idea of what I wanted to be, but I was, I guess the way I put it, I was broken down before anything was created. So it was easier to rebuild from. It was easier to kind of piece the, you know, puzzle that was, my shattered life back together. And that's, that worked out. That's why I say I was lucky. A lot of people get diagnosed from maybe the stress of having a kid. That stress level affects your digestive tract, pushes it into a point, brings your colitis or Crohn's out because it's a massive stress factor. Or, you know, a family member dies or something, or you just got married, you're a year into your marriage, you just had a brand new kid, got that brand new career, that job you've been working so hard for, and that stress level just pushes you over the edge. And now you have no safety net. Mm -hmm. Now you have this newborn you got to take care of. Oh, but you don't have the energy to function yourself, let alone take care of a kid. Or guess what? You're on your two-year probationary period with your brand new job. You got to yeah. be amazing. Can't take all that time off. And it's, <clears throat> I think it's really important to kind of share that, the knowledge that we have. And I, and I say a lot, it kind of goes back to the, you know, everything, everything does kind of happen for a reason, in my opinion. So saying I came up with to kind of justify all of this um, is that pain puts things into perspective and that perspective can give us a purpose. And I say that, and I believe that incredibly, incredibly strongly because looking back at my life, you know, I'm at the 11 year mark. I can tell you right now, there would be no podcast. There would be no advocacy if I did not get colitis. And there are incredibly dark, dark points in my diagnosis. And 
I now have a viewpoint of, you know what, I've been through this, I made it through, I'm doing good, and I have my, my normal routine, is it great compared to everybody else who's living in, you know, mansion or whatever, because they're doing their job, or goal careers or whatever, no, but it works for me, and it's, and it's my routine, and it allows me to say, hey, look, here's all my experiences, here's what it's taught me, and the new person coming into the diagnosis, don't do this, don't do that, learn from this, hey, you know, look this up before you try that, or, or here's some really good experience. So you don't have to go through those incredibly low lows. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot to unpack, but I think once you get that level of like, Hey, this is my new normal. Um, you can start to address things and be like, okay, this is my new normal. I want to prevent other people from being down to that low that I was at. Um, and it, I think it comes back to a saying that I want to get tattooed on my arm and I'm, I'm going to get it in Greek because I'm, I'm Greek in general, but I want to get the Greek version of I'm the light that shines in the dark. And I think that resonates with a lot of people that are newly diagnosed because there is that incredibly dark time or times, you know, it's spread out and having somewhere to go, someone to, to go to or listen to is super important and say, Hey, you know what, he or she got through it and look at what they're doing now. Okay, you know what, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. And talking about, hey, these were our bad experiences and this was what worked for me. Maybe it wasn't the best option. Maybe seek a professional as well. But hey, this is, you know, this is how I got through it. So yeah, it's, it's super important. And I know it's not for everyone. Um, I know there's a lot of us that are at this point where, you know, we're more willing to talk about it, but there's even more people that are still struggling and, for those people, it's like, hey, listen to listen to those of us who have been through it, and and share our resources with other people who are struggling as well. And eventually, you'll get to that point where maybe you'll be you'll be sharing your story and say, hey, you know what, I made made it through too. Yeah. So it's a fun fun roller coaster of a ride. And then don't forget to have a messed up sense of humor along the way. Right, you have to. <laughs> <clears throat> Which, on the sense of humor, so this podcast, this is the third name for it, The Bearded Advocate. I actively was recording under chronic living for a long time because I have a chronic condition. Um, a lot of communities didn't like that because it kind of only focused on one community. But the original name of the podcast was actually only going to be for Crohn's and colitis, and it was going to be Let's Talk Shit. Oh, that's a good one. Just, just Crohn's <laughs> and colitis. So if anyone wants to start a podcast for... Just Crohn's and colitis. Let me know. I'll help you start one called shit. Let's Talk, Talk Shit. <laughs> Phenomenal name. I even have the podcast art for it too. I just, I was like, you know what? I need to go a little bit bigger. If you need but, your branding, your graphic design, just let me know. I can get you some good poop emojis for that one. <laughs> look, I have, it. it's like a little toilet and it oh. has like an IV bag and the IV stand and the, the hose is going like into the toilet. And yeah. It's, Infusion. <laughs> it's fun. Um, but yeah, no, so to sense of humor is always good. So I guess anything else you want to want to touch on? We're kind of all over the place. Like I said, no structure. I will just say one thing that I hope to spread to other people. And I there's probably no children, but I want other people who are parents to understand that for me growing up, I feel like 
as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I didn't have as much patience with my mom's chronic illness because I just flat out did not understand it. Um, I don't think I had as much sympathy as I, as I could have, and I just didn't understand it. And now that I'm a mom, I really struggle sometimes because the kids have events or, you know, they have games and I've had to miss sometimes because I I literally can't get off the toilet or I can't get off out of bed and they look at me and I look fine. So it's really hard for them to understand. And it's, you want to be there for your kids, no matter what, and you want to show up and you want to do everything that you can, but you have to put yourself first because like we talked about, if you do not take care of your health, it's going, you will, you will break down and it is going to pick the day and time for you. It's going to happen. Like it's just a matter of whether, you, you know, it's, it's convenient for you. If you yeah. choose to address it, it's usually more convenient than if it addresses itself. Yeah. And I, so I think, you know, if, if you are, I guess, a parent and, you know, you wish your child kind of understood or had more patience, or you wish that you could do more or be there more, like just know that you are, you're dealing with a chronic illness and you have to take things day by day and you're doing the best job that you can freaking do. And it's a part of us that we have to accept and, and evolve with every single day. But I just wanted to put that out there because my mom was a hell of a mom and she did everything. And I, I needed more patience and I, I'm glad that I can, you know, grew up and was able to understand that now. Well, I think that goes for honestly, anyone that's living with someone that has a chronic condition, that's not quite understanding it yet. Yeah. Having that patience and, and giving a little more credit because mm-hmm. some of the stuff we go through, man, I don't want, I don't want anyone to have to experience that, but if you did, I bet you did, I bet you'd be struggling too. So yeah, yeah well, that's a good, good place to end it on. Well, I appreciate you coming on the, on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. As always, thank you for stopping by and listening to the episode. Make sure you guys head over to thebeardedadvocate.com to show your support. It's got all the links to all the other social media platforms, which I'm creating a ton of new content on that I'm sure you guys would love to watch and hopefully in the future be a part of. So thank you, as always, and have a good one.